Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to this week's episode of Take It or Leave It. I'm one of your hosts, Meredith Masony. And I'm Tiffany Jenkins, the other one. This podcast will discuss all things marriage, motherhood, and everything in between. Please remember we're not professionals at anything you may actually need. So any advice Meredith earned and I give you, you could take it or leave it. Although we have somebody on today whose advice you might just want to take. Yeah, so Maybe. today in the studio, um, it sounds fancier when you say it like that. We Maybe. have uh, Laura Kincaid. And um, why don't you tell us a little bit about, because are you an actual, like, are you a trauma therapist? Is that what you're, like, what is your actual title and all of your letters and all of those things? Sure. The family joke is I have the most letters behind my name. So LICSW in Massachusetts is a licensed independent clinical social worker, which basically means I went to social work school, learned all the things social work and chose to be a therapist. So there's like a clinical path you take. So I went to school for that. And then... I was in St. Louis for a couple of years, and then I moved out to Massachusetts, and I've been practicing for like like 17 years or something. Um, worked When you start in therapy, you tend to work in clinics and in harder areas, so definitely was working with a really intense population in Lynn, Massachusetts, which has, um, you know, they're lower economic, a lot of trauma, a lot of substance abuse, a lot of intergenerational stuff going on, and was blessed that at my agency, they had this great training that basically was like, here is how you do trauma work with kids. And it just really meshed with me. So I adopted that very strongly for many years and then have just kind of been trying to consume as much trauma information and how to work with that because I'm an anxiety and trauma specialist. So there's no special letters for that, but that is what I specialize in predominantly with kids, but I work. Okay, so you're now the Teoli podcast anxiety and trauma therapist because we are (laughs) both riddled with um, uh, anxiety and trauma. So the the whole reason that we brought you on here and thank you for reaching out because this is, I think, going to be a really important conversation um, today is because we've been talking a lot lately about raising our kids in today's world. And that world is is full of trauma and anxiety and events that a lot of us as parents don't know how to navigate. Can I just say something really quick? Yes. I apologize for changing the subject. I'm really depressed because I just, the screen that we're looking at on the computer looks neat and tidy. But when you look at YouTube, it's got about three feet (laughs) extra on either side, dude. So you can see all my garbage, my Dunkin' Donuts wrappers, like it looks like a trap house. And I apologize, everyone. I've been in trap houses. This is not, I'm under construction if you're watching this. I'm getting my life together any minute now. So just ignore it. Okay. I, that now, was as a, as a therapist, Laura, would you say that that is a trauma <laughs> response that she just gave us right here on the uh, podcast? 
<laughs> I would say that's pre-apologizing, right? Like I, I'm worried about the judgment the entire world's going to have about my area. But I did the same thing. I cleaned it up. I made sure there's nothing on my board. You know, it's, but I have it's my office. If I was in my house office, much different. I would have been in your camp, Tiffany, because I've got bags and boxes of crap that never got unpacked when we moved into that office. And Thank so, you. Yeah. That makes me feel better. My face is really red. Can you see it? Meredith? <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> oh, I've my. got a fake tan look going on because of my lighting, so it's good. <laughs> I, I'm jealous. This is. I was going to ask how this came about because one day Meredith was like, we should get a trauma specialist on the show. And then the next minute she's like, we've got one. I was wondering how you two came about connecting. Well, I I'm pushy. Been... I don't know. Oh. <laughs> no, I we've been talking about it on the podcast, and then I brought it up again in a couple of live streams. And I said, if you are a trauma therapist and you follow or you listen to the podcast or you would be willing to come and be a guest, and Laura reached out. Oh, nice. That's so cool, Laura. Okay, you guys cool. are awesome. So I was like, I want to talk to them, and that's what I do. So why not? Right? That's amazing. I mean, listen, I have a million questions, but since this was Meredith's idea, I'll let her start. Uh, well, I mean, here's the thing. We're going to be starting pretty heavy if you let me start. Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> because this is trauma. This is right. the... So personally, for me, I have three teenagers. And um, I'm in that space where my kids are wanting a lot of freedom. And right. I have to... I have to really offer that up to them because I can't just lock them in the house like I want to and keep them away from everything. But how do you as a parent, when you are a highly anxious person, how do you manage even just, and this might sound silly, but even just sending them to the movies alone after there have been multiple shootings at cinemas or malls or things like that, how do you do that? and not sit and be anxious the entire time they're gone. Yeah, and I think that's two different questions, right? How okay. do you do that? And then how do you regulate yourself while doing that, right? Because when when we're talking about these kind of what ifs, right? What ifs is like the best fodder for anxiety. What if this bad thing happens and I didn't, and I didn't protect my kid because I couldn't see the future and I didn't know that on that day at that time, someone was gonna do something really terrible to them, right? And I think I see that in my office in a lot of ways. It's not even just like these big things, right? Like a shooting or some sort of, you know, other terrible catastrophe. It could be like, I sent my kid to that person's house and I didn't know that someone was going to hurt them while they were there. And that's a very, you know, people don't think, oh, I sent my kid to a sleepover or a play date and something bad can happen. But I often hear stories where that has happened. And how do you wrangle with that, right? Versus the bigger, these really scary shootings and things that are happening. So I think that you're right. You you have the very natural inclination to protect your kids by just like, no, you can't go, just stay home. Well, I'll be safe if we stay right here, right? So the fact that you're acknowledging this is what I need to feel safe, but not what they need to grow, I think is a really the first step, right? And the next step is figuring out are my worries valid, right? Are they going to a movie, right? Where there's likely nothing going to happen. Yes, there have been events that happened, but I have to kind of balance how realistic is today on this day at this time in the theater my kid happens to be sitting in. Is it going to happen? Um, I often have laughed with clients where I used to be able to say things like, how often has something like a shooting at school happened, right? How often? 
And it used to be not often, right? But now we know that's not as true. It definitely is happening more and more. Gun violence is a huge problem in our country. Um, so we do have to kind of reconcile that this can happen, that we should have like safety plans with our children when they're going out into the world anyway, right? When you're launching your children out to the first trip to the mall, to the movie theater, whatever, to a friend's house, having like a discussion of like, gee, what do you think would be a situation where you might not feel comfortable or where something unsafe might be happening? What would you do? Or what would I want you to do in that scenario? So that I know you have a plan versus filling them with like, hey, if a shooter comes in, here's exactly what you do. That's a little intense for a kid, right? You're not going to go there. And oh, I apologize I, for my... I did that. So I did that <laughs> wrong. Okay. All right. <laughs> not wrong. No, no, not wrong at all. I apologize. Um, not wrong, but we have to kind of meet with like, what's their awareness level of this stuff, right? Like if they have zero clue bad things happen, launching in with, hey, this really horrific specific thing is going to happen to you is going to prime them to end up in my office with an anxiety disorder, right? Um, because we can easily, tra- <laughs> we can easily transfer. No, Tiffany, you're good. It's too late. Tra- <laughs> I, I think it's too late. Honestly, I think I, I'm screwed. I think they're screwed because of me. I, I have two little ones. I have a five and a four-year-old and I definitely see myself and he's only been five years with me. I've only had five years to mess him up and he's already anxious. So yeah. some of it is just like your nature. It's just your wiring. It's your biology. Um, there's something to be said for even just your, they call it body budget, right? Like how slept and fed and nutrients and, you know, stressors and, you know, what you're taking in and putting out, um, all of that measures in, but, you know, back to meeting your kid where they are, right? If they are coming to you and saying, I heard this thing happened at a movie theater, but I was invited to movies this weekend. What do I do? You're going to have a very different conversation than you would with, Hey, they have no concept. This is a danger. And I want to let them have this freedom that we'd enjoy when we were kids, but I'm terrified for myself sending them out there. So I'll I'll give you a little bit more context on this movie theater situation, right? Because this was an actual Mm -hmm. conversation that happened and this was probably two years ago. So I would say my son was maybe getting ready to turn 16 or maybe was 16 Mm -hmm. and they wanted to see the midnight showing of that Batman movie. And so I was like, it's so late at night. And uh oh, hold on, Phil. Hey, Dave, can you get her out? You're very bad. Go away. <laughs> um, go ahead. Go with daddy. Thank you. Um, so my son was, I think, about 16 at the time because his friend was driving them. And so we were in the car and he's like, I really want to go. And there's a whole group of people going. And so I was like, okay, if we let you go, you need to understand that, um, you know, bad things can happen. And if you're in a movie theater and somebody starts shooting up the place, you're going to want to get to the ground. You're going to want to look to see which way is, is the closest exit. You're going to want to stay completely on it. Like I launched into like military crawl and Mm -hmm. cover your head and, you know, and I probably just scared the complete shit out of him. But yeah. I was like, you're 16. You have been in this world that we live in. But right. I think my problem is because I'm such an anxious person, I took it to the next level. I wasn't mm-hmm. just saying we need to be safe and cautious. I was like, you need to duck if you can get to your phone call. now. You know what I mean? Like I right. it, and it's like I don't have control to not go to 100 miles an hour. Right, right. 
And and again, that's you're aware that, hey, I went a little too far. How do I dial it back? I, when you said the Batman movie, that was the movie, right? That was the movie where the shooting happened. Was it yeah. after that first event or was this before it was that the even one, happened? It was the one after they had the first shooting in the Batman movie. And then he was yeah. like, we're going to go to the Batman movie. And I was like, oh, God. Please. Right. So like, no. so let, let's just for a second notice that your brain did exactly what it's wired to do. There is literally a mirror of a trauma, of a danger for my offspring, right? How could I not go to here's exactly how this is going to play out because it literally played out in this exact scenario once before. It's a lot harder to not go there when you have such a mirror versus I know somebody um, got hit by a car on that road. Don't drive down that road, right? Like that's don't drive down any roads, right? That's a little mm -hmm. more generalized versus that specific place. Um, so, so yeah, I don't, I, I don't think that what you did was wrong. I think maybe kind of talking about like, what do you know that happened at the last Batman movie, right? Here's why I'm a little bit anxious to send you off to this. What do you think you would do? And kind of let them tell you what they think they would do if something bad was happening. And, and I would also talk with them about it's not going to happen, but we like to have a plan and caution because, again, if this kid was 16, he probably was aware of what happened or had some yeah. big knowledge of what could happen. Very different than sending a 12-year-old, right? Which you probably wouldn't let the 12-year-old maybe go to the midnight showing. But regardless, the midnight showing isn't special. A movie is a movie, whether it's at 9 a.m. or midnight or 4 in the morning. Like, yeah, there's different populations out, but it doesn't inherently make it more dangerous. It's just that your brain latched onto this exact scenario played out already. How do I protect my offspring? Here's here's our step-by-step -step plan. So it's not really different. You just kind of said, here's what I want you to do versus let's talk through what you would think to do and I, then I, kind of tailor it. I don't think that I have that component in my brain that you just said. I think I just tell people, mm -hmm. and Tiffany will probably agree with this. I just tell people, this is what you're going to do because this is 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 how you're going to stay safe versus how right. would you like to do it? Cause I don't even right. have that like in my vernacular, like the, my brain right. doesn't even allow that space to open up, which mm -hmm. I just realized is probably 99% of the reasons my I've had fights in my marriage. No, it's I, Dave. It's Dave. <laughs> <laughs> because I just tell him what he's going to do. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, but, that, but that's also very adaptive, right? Like if, if you're like, my job is to keep these people safe that I love, why wouldn't you be like the one that has the plan that gives the plan? Right. And if people look to you, you're the mom, right? Your kids look to you for what do I do? How do I put my shoes on? How do I get ready for school? How do I do this project? Right. So it, it becomes very organic that you're like, oh, here's how you do all these things I've taught you in life. Why wouldn't I try to teach you exactly what to do in this scenario? But because we're talking about hypothetical dangers, that's where I always say, like, let's kind of follow the kids lead a little bit about what do they understand? What do they not? If they're too naive, are they at an age? We can kind of clue them a little bit about life and about what could go wrong. If they're not, they're much younger and just not aware, kind of talking about like, you know, unsafe things can happen. And, you know, here's what we might do to stay safe. Um, but I don't think that it's, you know, it's such a specific mirror to the first Batman movie, right? That, that, that trauma. So yeah. I don't know how most parents probably would go to, especially with a 16, 17 year old, here's what you do. Like, here's exactly how you walk that, that line. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com All right, Tiff, do you have one for our in-house therapist now? Do I have one? Like, uh, well, I know. I just mean, do you want to pick one? A million? Yeah, do you want to <laughs> pick one? She's, well, I think yeah. I need to first ask, like, it, like what kind of, uh, I feel like we just kind of jumped in and started throwing questions at you, and I'm not sure. even sure what exactly, like, trauma-centered stuff you do. Like, because sure. I went through exposure therapy for harm OCD, uh, mm-hmm. which is basically kind of like what Meredith is. You know what it is. But for anybody else, like where you're you're afraid something terrible is going to happen to your kids. So you basically keep them wrapped in bubble wrap in your house. Yeah. And so I went through that whole thing um, and I've gotten so much better. But like. What kind of trauma are we talking about here? Because I because I've got a few different varieties Right. Well, and, and trauma, you know, there's kind of the buzz of like big T, little T trauma. And I don't think, I don't look at it as big T, little T. Big T would be like school shootings, mass events, um, assaults, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that people think of that as big T versus littler T, which might be like a friendship disruption, right? Like getting dumped by your best friend or or breakup, you know, a natural breakup, normal divorce is somewhere in the middle, I think it's all how your brain absorbs it, right? Um, so I'm a CBT therapist by design. That's one of my specialties. Um, kind of going towards ACT, which is called acceptance commitment therapy, which in CBT, we talk about how do we help you get rid of these symptoms, these thoughts, these problems you have, these feelings. And in ACT, it's like, well, actually, these feelings and thoughts actually are here to serve you and teach you and keep you safe. And they're uncomfortable, but how do we learn to tolerate them? And then kind of the marriage of those two is let's use the skills from CBT, which, you know, if you've done exposure, you've probably talked about distortions and how to identify like how my thoughts are not accurate or unhelpful. And how do I use, utilize skills to balance that and behaviors to balance that act just kind of looks at it more realistic. It's like, if you're an anxious person, you're probably not going to not be an anxious person, right? You can take medication, you can go to therapy, but you're not just going to magically not tend anxious it's right. literally wiring and biology so and or your life experiences if you yeah. have you guys both seen that disney pixar movie the in inside out it's got like all the feelings in the brain um, i've heard so, about it okay well so it's a it's a kid's movie um they're coming out with a new one now they're introducing the anxiety feeling into it which i really thought was cute but the um, premise is that this child had to do this big move and it kind of shows how her brain works and all her emotions control her and all these memories and how they're sorted and these islands right these like the family island and friendship island and hockey island all the things they love and how they view the world right like friends 
keep, make you happy. Family keeps you safe and loved, right? This is something that makes me happy. And when something traumatic happens, whether it's as simple as I fell off my bike and skinned my knee and my brain grabs it a certain way versus I was in the movie theater when they shot it up, how your brain takes that in is whether or not you're traumatized. Um, resilience isn't something we understand with our, in our brains. We use so little of our brains. So if we knew why is it that one kid sitting in that theater is going to walk out and be fine and somebody else in that theater is going to have a lifelong difficulty with that trauma, we don't really know. It's how their brain grabbed it at the time. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. So when you say like, I've got a variety, we all have a variety and, and it's some things that would be trauma traumatic to us. Other people would be like, well, that's not a big deal. Or I went through that and I was fine. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if you went through it and you were fine. It's how did my brain grab onto that, identify it as a threat to my safety and well-being, and then respond in a really robust way, one way or the other, right? Either yeah. fight or flight, like get me out of here, keep me safe, fight like heck, or whether the other way, kind of shut down, freeze, isolate, run away in a different way. Yeah. So, so is it primarily like for the kids? Like like that's your specialty? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm getting ready to get my kids into therapy because I am not qualified to help them through this time in my life alone. Um, Sorry. (laughs) I don't know what's happening. Um, That's been the soundtrack in my house for four weeks. I I think it's Jesus trying to get me to not talk about this, but um, I, so I um, got divorced five months ago and, um, he moved out and the kids were going back and forth. And then um, he got a girlfriend who's there all the time with them now. And it's very confusing. And um, the kids like just this morning, dude, it was freaking devastating. I had to talk to the kids about how I'm not going to his mom's for Thanksgiving, which is what we've done for like 10 years right? since before they were born. But I'm not going because it's uncomfortable for me now. Right. Um, and I have to protect my mental health. But then Chloe got really emotional and started crying. And she said, but you and dad are still best friends. And I can't be like, well, we were until his shysty little ass, you know, whatever. Right. So I I can't talk openly and honestly with her, as tempting right. as it is sometimes. Right, right. Um, so do you think um, there's a specific kind of therapy that I should look into for them, a anything special I I should be focusing on really like they're handling it differently my son is very quiet and introverted and just buries himself in video games and pretends like the world doesn't exist and Chloe's just super emotional and dramatic and very honest and open about how she's feeling at any given time yeah yeah so first off I want to just say I've you know I've been watching you guys so I've heard bits and pieces that you've shared and Divorce is so hard and divorce for kids, especially if um, if the household wasn't really volatile, is confusing, right? It's hard. How can you guys be so friendly and get along and how can we all spend time together and you're not together anymore? Exactly. And, and but at the same time, what we know we're doing is modeling a healthy relationship future for our kids, right? If we mm-hmm. were like just happily coexisting or kind of neutrally coexisting, but not really connecting, not really showing them the kind of affection and love we want them to have in their relationships, then yes, short term, it's going to be really difficult and confusing. But ultimately, right, whether it's in a new relationship you have or a new relationship he has, 
hopefully they will get to see what that better connection can look like and what that kind of um, more loving interactions could be, right? Staying together just for the kids when you're not happy isn't really a great, great result, right? So, um, so the type of therapy they might need, right? I would kind of go to, well, are they having symptoms, right? Being really emotional isn't a normal adjustment reaction, kind of closing in on yourself isn't a normal emotion reaction. So really, you know, just an open play therapist or, you know, a CBT therapist would be great. Anybody that specializes in children and has an understanding of divorce. That would be the questions I would ask. Is like, Perfect. Do you specialize working with kids? Do you have experience with divorce? Are you nuanced in the fact that like, you know, not all divorce is evil and not all people that break up were in huge fights and, you know, basically, yeah. can, can I help? Do you understand from my frame and my ex's frame so that you can support us as we try to co-parent? as ultimately we all move forward into new relationships in the years ahead. And, you know, I think the other thing is what do you and your exes, um, what's your all's picture of how you want, maybe not right now, but like five years to be, right? 10 years to be so that you can decide like we're moving in that direction, even though we're navigating difficult feelings or no, we're not moving in this direction. We're moving in this direction. Am mm. I making sense? Right? Yeah, you are. Yeah. yeah. So. I have recently learned, like, we are going to try to be really, we are going to try to be friends and best buds mm -hmm. um, for the kids. And I really had, like, full confidence that we'd be able to do it because I didn't have any emotions left for him, like, romantically. So it would have been really yeah. easy. But um, then there was a few instances where um, there was some behavior that a friend wouldn't do to another friend. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was treated in a way that a friend would never treat a friend in right. these certain circumstances. And so that's when I realized that whether or not I still have feelings for him romantically, like I, I'm not in a place where I can be his friend. And it was really important for me at one point to show my kids that we could be friends, but mm -hmm. I have been miserable since the situation occurred. And mm -hmm. I mean, like a shell of myself, just bawling my eyes out really dramatic. And my kids, it's so much worse. So I, uh, there's distance now and it's, you know, we're just, we're cordial. We speak about the kids, whatever. And it's so yes. much better for my mental health than right. trying to be his friend. It's just too confusing. So, yeah. I mean, if you think about being, you can be friendly without being friends, right? Amen. Ideally can in the future be in the same space at the same events and be comfortable, but that may not be right now in the immediacy of, of all the changes, especially if, you know, again, if you came into where you come into a divorce matters, right? If you're coming into the divorce having already grieved the loss of the relationship or the loss of the connection, you're going to be in a very different place than the partner who was like still feeling like we're fine. This is great. This yeah. is satisfactory. Super. And so, um, so yeah, I think that it doesn't mean you can't be friendly. Um, I'm a child of divorce. My parents divorced when I was two and a half. Now we're obviously many years later. And, you know, there's still some awkwardness at times if we're all together. We don't do the big joint family things. But, you know, my parents don't speak badly of one another. And, you know, overall, we're really great about not keeping us involved at all in any of the drama. They might. I have no idea what the drama was. That's how well they did with keeping us it. out of it for the most part. Um, so, you know, I if your goal at some point is to be able to have, like, everybody together for, like, graduations and birthdays, and that's a lovely idea. But maybe not right now. Maybe not right now. Time. And that's totally fine. Yeah. And, and letting your kids know that, like, I still care about your dad because he's your dad. Right. Yeah. And that's all I have to care about is, is he OK? Because he's your dad. And I care about your relationship with your dad. 
and that, you know, for us right now, we're friendly and this is good. Like dad's getting his new life. I'm getting my new life. Yeah. And, and that's going to be a hard shift for the kids, right? Because again, if we weren't always fighting, they're mm-hmm. like, well, how can you go from this to this? Like, I don't get it. Yeah. It happened really super quick. And um, yeah. with him, I think we had been divorced four months maybe when they started. Well, when I became aware, whatever. Anyway, um, the kids love her. Mm. Love her. She's great. And so that's the only reason I haven't roundhouse kicked anyone in the face yet. Yeah. Is because um, I'm just kidding. But um, from what I hear, she's great, uh, which is wonderful. And my goal one day is, of course, to be in the same room. But yeah, not right now. It was too much too soon. We tried it. So I have to see him throughout the week for the kids' sports and stuff. Mm-hmm. And just depending on the week, it's either we're basically sitting on each other's lap, best friends, or we're arch enemies on opposite sides of the bench, just based on whatever went on that week. And yeah. so for now, we're just going to keep it. I don't need yeah. to know anything about you. You don't need to know anything about me. You know what I mean? It's it's much better right. that way. Because how can you be the friend of someone that's like, te- you know, if you're friends, you can talk about your new relationships and like you're dating and like all the things and yeah and and maybe i don't want to know that and if you know financials maybe you're telling me you went and bought this new thing but we're in some sort of disagreement about finances and separation of finances and support and all so how can you possibly be besties right away exactly it's not that it doesn't happen but i don't think it's that simple i don't think that you know unless both people came to the point of the divorce of like we are best friends and i love you but we are not in love anymore together we both agree and we're both in that spot i think that's when they can stay be best friends right away and like mm. continue forward but if it's if it's different spots it's so hard yeah or if there's just that's, not that per- again it's stars have to align for that immediate friendship fit i just don't think that's i 100 percent felt <laughs> so confident and now my friends are like maybe it's because you still have feelings for him and it's like no it, it's because now i'm starting to see my worth and what i deserve and yeah. what i'm worthy of and his shit isn't adding up to that and so it pisses me right. off and it's like yeah. Your eyes have been opened to things you did not see previously. Right. And I. Never mind. I'm not even going to. (laughs) I'm not. I'm not because it's not my place. I'm not because it's not my place. But. But she, but that oh, statement gosh. that statement from Tiffany I think she just spits everywhere. She, that statement from Tiffany is is completely accurate. Now she is seeing her worth. She is seeing what her life can be like. She is seeing all of the positives, <laughs> and I'm couldn't be more proud of a friend than I am of her in this in this. You know, and we were talking about the divorce a couple weeks ago on the podcast too, and I was like. You know, you're beating yourself up because you're like, it's been six months. And it's like, but say it the other way. It's only been six months. Like, this is right. new. This is fresh. This is a deep cut that is not, we're not talking about you're still having this argument eight years later. Right. This is six months. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? Right. Like, so, yeah. yeah. Right. So that, I thought, I mean, that was, I think the yeah. conversation you two had is very helpful to people that are going through and struggling with this right now and having questions about that. Cause there was a lot of information in there and man, that was really good. good. Yeah. I appreciate, I appreciate it very much. And, uh, we all need all the help we can get, honestly, mostly me. Yeah. And I try to give, you know, I give my frame, other therapists have other frames, but I, I think that 
it's funny because I actually specialize in divorce in graduate school. That was what I thought I was going to focus solely on. And then I got to where I worked and then I was surrounded by trauma everywhere. So I, I kind of immersed myself in that. Mm. So being a kid of divorce kind of led me down that path. And then, but I, I do think um, there is, there are some places have great support groups for kids, right? That are going through divorce so that it's kids helping kids that have all been through Aww. it and are going through it. And that was a place I worked in St. Louis. And it was just so awesome because it was, you know, sitting in this room with a therapist and having the space to like vent about the confusion and have other kids be like, yeah, that does suck or that is really confusing or yeah, I hate it when they do this or I love it when I do this. So it's, that might be something else to explore for the kids. But I think overall, I love it. Yeah. It, it, it's really inspiring because I keep saying I'm going to get them in therapy. I'm going to get them in therapy, but then I'll like make a couple of calls and I'm like, man, for both kids, it's $350 for one hour and money's already so tight. Maybe, you know, and I just keep making up excuses, but I'd love to find something. I mean, it's so, it's not to the point where, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I have to get them in therapy or right. they're going to be felons for, you know what I mean? Like, but I, I mean, I would love to be able to get them somewhere where they could talk about it because I'm not equipped. I, right. I, I'm trying my best. Well, to but be you're in the middle and... of the trauma yourself. So how could you offer a a, a life right a life raft when you're you know still clinging onto the side yourself? I mean, that's just an yeah. outsider looking in. You know what I mean? So yeah, not to but... mention, there's the power of not being mom. I always joke in my office that like parents will tell their kids the same thing that I tell them and like three weeks later I say it and they're like, Laura, I had this great idea. Yeah. And the kids I and the parents are like, that. I literally said this. Yeah. 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 It's the, it is, it's just the not being parents. Yeah. Um, and I will a hundred percent understand where you're coming from. It's hard to connect with therapists. We're finding a child specialist, finding availability, finding someone that you like. Cause it's not just about finding a therapist and finding one that specializes in kids. It's then actually liking them and feeling comfortable with them and more so your kid developing that comfort with them. And that that's hard. There is a shortage of mental health therapists in this country and people around here will call and I have enough calls. I can't keep up. I can't, I could have a full-time job returning calls and I just can't to keep my caseload and return that and do my paperwork and parent my children and have my life and family mm. So it is so hard to find care um, right now. At some resource that maybe people don't realize is sometimes you can tap the school guidance counselor if your school has a good support structure there as just, hey, could you check in with my kid? We're going through this at home. Um, do you mind grabbing them? And in some districts, they have pretty flexible policies where they'll be like, yeah, I can grab them and check in on that with them. Um, and some they're like, uh, only if they have certain services can they access. Um, in general, the guidance counselors are for everyone, but um, I do think that's a good resource that maybe even within the school, they have a group of kids, they could develop a little group yeah. for that. You know, that's hard because you're, you know, these are your peers and being vulnerable with your peers is a lot harder than being vulnerable right. with like strangers. But it's, it's an avenue maybe as a stopgap while you're exploring the right opportunities. You know, if you can't find someone with insurance, it's obviously harder if you can't find someone that takes your insurance, but that's right. an option too. Thank you. Yeah. All right. My turn. <laughs> I need a drink of coffee. Hold on. <laughs> so this year has been the, my hardest parenting year. Mm -hmm. Ugh, fuck. Because he's leaving. 
So what do you tell parents who are not ready, even though you, I know logically he's ready. He's a good boy. He's smart. But the thought of not having all my chickens under the roof, uh, it's just freaking me out. Um, and I can't get through a day. Well, I don't think it helps that I'm going through menopause. Um, which I think it's real no. bullshit that, you know, Jesus was like, you know what? We're going to have your kids leave at the same time that you're not really a human being anymore because you're in the middle of menopause. <laughs> yeah. So that's some shit. But um, write that down. But <laughs> I just and I think it's I think it's also starting to annoy my husband because mm. I have these mini breakdowns because I don't know how right. to deal with it. I don't know the logical next step of just being like. I'll see you in, you know, four months. Like, uh, you know, I just want to die. So any thoughts on my unraveling? So I am tearing. I have a five-year-old and I'm tearing up. Like, it's I know, me too. So like, you are not, you are not alone in that every mother of a senior is having these moments, right? Like, oh my God, I'm about to launch my kid. What if something bad happens? They're out of my, I can't see them every day. I just can't even imagine not having that, right? And Tiffany, I'm imagining like when the kids go over to Drew's, there's kind of that scene like I don't get to see them. A little different because we know they're coming back pretty quickly. But yeah, it, it's hard. It's so hard. And I guess being, I don't know how familiar you are, Meredith, with mindfulness. Have you ever done mindfulness work? Um, you know what it is? Uh, 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 no. It might escape you right now. Okay. <laughs> so mindfulness work is um, often paired with meditation. It's the idea of being in the moment right here and now without judgment right so if my brain starts fast forwarding into the future right our pain lives in the future and the past in the right here and now nothing's happening you're sitting on a couch talking to me and tiffany there's nothing bad happening your emotion reaction is coming from the future right and then depending on the person and from the past so learning to stay here now in the moment is a really powerful tool because you're not going to be okay when you drop him off you're going to be a mess and you should be, you should be sad, right? Ideally you can hold it together until you get to the car. And then as my mother did ball your way from Cincinnati to Akron, but in general, you're going to not be okay at the beginning because that's a really hard transition for you. And right now, what your brain is trying to do is prepare you in a really messed up way. It's like, here, feel these feelings now, because then it will be easier that here, think about how he's leaving now so you'll be used to it by then. And that's, to me, it's that's kind of crap. You can't pre-grieve, right? You can know someone, something bad's going to happen, but that doesn't uh, mean when it happens, you're okay with it, no matter how much you obsess and torture yourself with it before it happens. Damn, right? dude. Yeah. So, um, so one of the tools- I think my entire life in- has been pre-grieving every experience I've <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Right. I really uh, needed to hear that, dude. Yeah. I think that's yeah. exactly exactly what I do. And um, if, for, if I mean, so many of us do, no one teaches us to how to, you know, therapy skills are not taught in schools. We aren't taught as children how to manage this stuff unless we happen to have a series of bad stuff happen and we end up in a therapy office, right? Or we end up in, you know, I, I recently had um, a client in recovery and I just was so astounded because I didn't work in the recovery world as a therapist and I was so astounded at how beautifully 
that that world sets up the skills that we teach in therapy and how it's literally just intensive therapy and a support group wrapped in one and it's beautiful the skills that you walk away from when you work work the steps or you go through a program because we aren't we aren't given that usually as children right like our parents are in survival mode they launch us out hopefully successfully and surviving and then we kind of have our own families and then we are in survival mode for 18 years because for a mother like when you're you know, heart is living outside of you. How do you not hurt a lot and worry a lot? And not to mention trying to juggle all the expectations of your life and what you should or shouldn't be doing and how you're doing it. Did you make the beautiful cupcakes? And did you remember to pack their special treat and blah, 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 blah. Um, so, so I guess back to mindfulness, right? Like what, how do we do this, right? A lot of people think when they think of meditation and mindfulness, well, I have to be like a monk. I have to have silence. I have to sit on the top of a mountain, cross-legged and like have a blank mind, right? And that is not at all what mindfulness is. Mindfulness is about learning to catch your thoughts, learning to be in the moment and notice when your brain pulls you away and then without judgment, bringing yourself back, right? So Meredith, for you, right? I'm sitting here drinking my coffee and looking at my son and he's beautiful and I'm so happy right in this moment. And my brain's like, but remember, this is going to end. He's going to be gone. And then, oh, right? Like there's all those feelings. Mm -hmm. It would be catching that thought and becoming aware of like, oh, there was that thought that's reminding me that this is going to hurt. Thank you for that reminder. I don't need to feel that now. Right now I'm enjoying this moment. And it's not easy. That sounds so simple, right? But with repetition and practice, you can get more and more adept at noticing it not fighting it, not being like, oh, crap, here I am again breaking down. What's wrong with me? Why do I have these mm. feelings? Because I'm a human. I'm a human that cares about someone, so I have feelings. Like, that is normal. So do you say that so, out yeah. loud? So to yourself, you yeah. could. You could. You, but more so often people will do it, like, in their heads, right? If you're sitting there in a conversation <laughs> and your brain goes off, right? You're, like, <laughs> you're talking about in the grocery yeah. store. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you, um, but not right now. Thank you. Like she's by I herself. I appreciate you. <laughs> but it but it is like every every thought and every feeling you have is literally your brain doing its best to protect you and keep you alive. That's how it's wired. So, you know, it doesn't know that for kids, like that math test isn't a tiger about to eat them. So they will have the same reaction. Their brain can have the same reaction to a test it has to a tiger chasing them down the street. And the same thing for us. If we imagine the day I leave my kid at college, my brain doesn't know that's not happening right now. My brain thinks you, you're thinking about this thing. It's happening. Here's all the feelings. But we can train our brain or train ourselves to catch when our brain does that, to be like, okay, there you are. Thanks. And I'm right here right now. I'm not in the future right now. Or if I'm reliving something, I'm not there right now. I'm right here in the present. So if you catch these thoughts or yeah. whatever they are, if you catch mm -hmm. them and you're like, okay, thank you for reminding me that it's going to hurt in the future, but I'm not there right now. I'm, I'm right here. Um, mm -hmm. If you like have that conversation with yourself over and over again, will you then be able to, will it become easier to just remain in the present? Because sometimes I feel like, um, like I'm holding a leash and my thoughts are like a giant dog just dragging me down the street. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yes, with practice, you know, and, and not thinking, okay, well, how am I going to do this? I'm going to have to devote 30 minutes a day to practicing, practicing this. No, it's finding minutes of your day. And um, there's, I don't know where I pulled it from. Some book said like doing mundane task focusing. 
mundane task focusing is what do you do every day mindlessly that you probably turn music on or you watch a show while you're doing it, like folding clothes, washing dishes, brushing your teeth, drinking your coffee, right? Every day when you drink your coffee, you can have a mindful moment. You pick up your coffee and you hold it and you notice how cold it is in your hands. And you just try to focus on the sensation in each of your fingers. And then you maybe smell it and smell it and really like just notice the scent of the coffee or the different smells if you have different flavors of your coffee. You take a drink, you notice the temperature, the texture, the flavor. You try to trace it as far as you can as you swallow it. And there, right there, you had a mindful moment, right? So you do these little things all the time in benign ways, not attached to a really stressful event because I guarantee if you're in the middle of one of these like, holy shit moments, you're not going to be like, oh, there's that thing we talked about. I can do that right now. It's going to be the practicing of these million little times that help you. Oh, yeah, there it is. My favorite example for myself was um, my husband and I, before we were married, moved in together. And it was like an apartment. So you could kind of, you know, the kitchen was the living room and all of that. Mm -hmm. I was sitting on the couch. I poured myself a giant glass of juice and like walked around the corner. He said something to me and I dropped this cup and juice went everywhere. And I immediately had a flash of rage and my head said, he made me drop that. And I caught it and I started laughing and he's like, why are you, what's wrong with you? You're going crazy. And I was like, no, my brain just blamed you because I dropped this. And mm -hmm. of course it's like the apartment carpet and it's got orange juice all over it. And I'm like, oh, there's goes the deposit. But my brain just totally flashed this message to me, probably to protect me from the embarrassment of dropping it or the frustration of it. Somehow I can, I can deflect that somewhere else. Um, but because I caught it, I didn't go like, what's wrong with you? Why were you distracting me? Because I totally could have gone off on him about that. But because I caught it, I'd be like, oh, that's funny. Now I got to clean this mess up, right? So yeah, the million, the million moments of practicing will help you for when you're really in pain and struggling to be like, okay, I can feel this right now. I'm going to then put it away. Um, so yeah, I have another thought too, but I wanted to stop because I can info dump like the best of them and just be like blah, 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 blah. I'd love to hear any thoughts you have. I do want to read two of the comments from the chat at some point that I think is relevant to this. And it's people who are just like struggling with their own stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't want to mess up your train of thought. So you say your thing. Yeah. The only other thought I was thinking was Meredith to create a container for these feelings. So maybe set a timer for 10 minutes a day and let yourself let it all up and let it out and ball and cry it out. And then when the timer goes off, turn it off. And then go get busy, go get cognitively busy in something, something that requires your brain. Um, because it's going to, instead of it just attacking you randomly, right? So this is like along the lines of exposure therapy, right? You're forcing it to come on versus waiting for it to hit you, right? And that doesn't mean it's never going to hit you in other times, but at least it allows you a space that gives you permission. Like, I'm going to give myself permission to just be a hot mess for 10 minutes. And then I'm going to try to let it stay there. And then maybe later in the day when it starts to come up, I got to be like, mm, I'll save that for my 10 minutes, right? I'll do that tomorrow. or I get, So I have a container to keep it in versus I just let it hit me whenever, right? How the hell? Hmm. How can you postpone it's not those easy. emotions? No. There's no, no way. I mean, there is yeah. a way, of course, but it seems so impossible. And that's what people are... Um, somebody said, I have a hard time staying mindful when triggers of my trauma come out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And someone else said, I'm getting anxiety just thinking about how absolutely unstable I am to do that kind of mindful thinking. Yeah, and I get it. It's like all you've ever known is right. stressing and obsessing and freaking pre-grieving, dude. And right. so the idea of being like, nope, 
it's not real. I'm here. This is the only moment that matters. Like it seems so impossible. And so we all just automatically assume like, nope, not us. We're not destined to live that life. And I would love it if myself and anybody else who's feeling like it's impossible could absorb this information. If you're really saying it's doable, I really want to believe you. Well, and Tiffany, you just made a huge good point, right? That when you're triggered by trauma, you're not in your head anymore, right? I, I'm going to steal this. I stole this from someone else, but like a little model, like this is your brain, right? This is your frontal lobe. This is where all of your like um, executive functioning, pulling up skills, thinking critically, all of that lives up here, right? When you go into fight or flight mode, when you are dysregulated by trauma, that all flips off and your amygdala so, mm-hmm. is your trauma response and it doesn't know anything. It knows survival. It knows run, fight, be a goat and freeze and fall over, right? Retreat. Yeah. It doesn't know your thinking mind. Your thinking mind goes off. So for people that are saying like, I'm so triggered by my traumas and I, I can't imagine being able to stop it. Yeah, you're right. Until you have gone and worked with a really competent trauma therapist and worked on becoming desensitized to your triggers, you're not going to be able to access that easily in the moment because that's what you know exposure is all about in trauma therapy we tell the story we tell the story over and over and over um with kids i've worked with we're talking big t traumas right like assault sexual abuse violence etc and we're writing the story like i woke up i got dressed i walked downstairs and then here bad things happen and we read it and read it and read it and to the point where kids are like do we have to read it i'm bored like i don't want to do this anymore Whereas when they started, they're like, I don't want to do this, right? Like, I'm avoidant. I'm going to just not touch it because it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. That, that reading and reading teaches their brain, the story isn't dangerous. You lived the danger. That's over. You, but your amygdala doesn't know that. It's just like, because you've taught yourself to not think about it and not feel about it, every time it comes up and attacks you, right, you're going to have that trauma response and your brain shuts off and you're just going to be in survival mode. So practicing mindfulness, practicing nervous system regulation, um, all of that's what helps you not get triggered by whatever, right? Whether it's just stress or trauma. Um, but it's a lot harder with trauma. If it's living in your amygdala, it's a lot harder. Right? Dude, F our amygdala. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a jerk. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, it's hard. It's a million little practices that add up and, you know, but it doesn't turn the pain off. The pain is what you're supposed to feel. Ugh. gross i'm sorry i wish i had a better answer <laughs> no, no your answer was life it's great it's i mean you're my husband texted because he must be <clears throat> listening <laughs> or watching in the other room and he's like that's what i told you just be sad later why you got to be sad now be sad later and it's like i he- yeah, i hear you i'd that's... block him i'd block him <laughs> block his number right now i, I was swear. Well, and that's and and he's he's not wrong. Right. It's just like you don't your brain doesn't know that it's not happening right. You needed to hear it from right. somebody else other than your mom. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so that, that and, is and his yeah. job, and by the way, to Dave, his job is when you break down to create a safe environment for you to mm. remind you. Not why don't you just feel this later, but like, hey, you're struggling. This is okay. What can I do for you? you hear that. The, Sorry. We're gonna That's what yeah, I, David like she's never coming back uh, on the show ever. Um, no, but that... but seriously, like, you know, you should be able to be vulnerable and feel those feelings and get out. Um, but 
also reminding you that right you are feeling about the future right now your son is right here you see him every night you're having this moment with him don't don't let that disrupt your now um and actually talk about some people talk about a bus like our brain is a bus and we're the drivers and we have a path every day what we're going to do with our day right get up go to the gym maybe go to work blah 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 and then all these old passengers stand up and they're like turn left don't do that let's think about this thing let's feel this and then and then you're like i was just going to go to the gym but now i'm sitting here in my car crying because this song came on the radio and that wasn't my plan right that wasn't my my path today so you know I think Dave's job could be noticing when your bus turns off path and like gently guiding you back. Like, you know, do you need to go cry for a few minutes? Do you need a hug? Do you need coffee? He would say, do you need a dick? But that's a whole other. (laughs) I have uh, heard that repeated in (laughs) the video. Yeah. Yeah. Not that sex is a bad coping tool, but it can't be your only coping tool. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I, I don't think I really ever. I think that's why I love um, mundane tasks. I love them. I absolutely love them. And I think the reason that I do is there's safety there. Yeah. Because I know that I'm not going to um, probably freak out in that moment because I'm folding the laundry or I'm just loading the dishwasher or I get up every morning and I feed the dog, feed the cats clean the litter box, do the dishes, start the load of laundry. And during that path on the bus, I, I don't veer off because I know it's like, okay, this is where we have to go. And this is what I have to do. And I can, I can check it off my list and remain calm. But then you're right. right, Like one thing can happen or a fucking Campbell's TV commercial. And you're, yeah. um, I'm never going to be able to enjoy chicken and noodle soup again because it was my kid's favorite. You know what I mean? Like, and then you're just yeah. a disastrous mess. So, yeah. Yeah. But that's, yeah. but even, but even catching when you're a disastrous mess and like finding the humor and that your brain's way to protect you is to make you miserable right now. Yeah. Like, like I'm sobbing, I'm sobbing. I just realized, I just observed that I'm sitting here sobbing over a Campbell's soup commercial can I find an edge of humor in that, that my brain's way of making me okay in the future was to torment me now with this silly commercial. Okay. Feel my feelings. It'll wash over me and then move on with my day. Yeah. Right. That would be the idea of like catching it. And then what do I do next? Yeah. I like the idea of catching it. I like, I'm going to really, I'm going to really work on that because I, I do think that there is a lot to be said in trying to preserve the moments of now. Mm Mm-hmm. Like yes. I just took him to the grocery store and the first thing he did was walked right up to the Publix cookie counter to get his free cookie. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you have a five o'clock shadow. Yeah. And, seven feet tall. And, and you're, <laughs> you're almost 18 years old. And he goes, yeah. And she didn't even want to give me a cookie. Like what? And I was like, well, you're a grown man. And you just asked her for a cookie. And he's like, I'm 17. <laughs> I'm still allowed to have one from the cookie club. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And I enjoyed that moment. It was fun and funny. And, but at the same time, I was like, I have to send cookie club kid (laughs) into a metropolitan city in less than Mm -hmm. six months and hope and pray Mm -hmm. that all goes well, you know? And then it just later on, I'll, you know, watching TV or doing whatever. And it's just, so he figured out where he's gonna go and is that why this is all so heavy right now like it's real now oh yeah he's decided where he's going 
okay, that's where this is coming from. Because I think when it was up in the air, there was still like hope and optimism and like maybe he'll be close. You know what I mean? And now that you know, I think that's like a different level of beginning to grieve. It's a it's a little bit more. I, I agree with you, Tiffany. It's a different step, right? The like looking at schools and the thinking about it is very different than the commitment. And now we know and now there's a deadline and I know exactly where they're going to be. And I know what that place looks like. Mm-hmm. like that's a different that's a different stuff. That's yeah, different. and I'm not upset with his choice or anything like that. Like it, it's you know I think he's going to be really happy uh, where he's going, and um, I'm happy too because he's staying in state. It isn't close, hey, but he's staying yeah. in state, so it's um, it's going to be you know a 45 minute plane ride or a five hour car drive, which is not bad. You know, like I can handle that. Um, it's just not in the other room. It's just yeah. It's it's. You know, it's just hard, but I just keep trying to remind myself that that was my job and from the beginning. Right. Somebody very much smarter than me said that our job is literally to do such a good job that we make someone leave us. That's what parenting is, right? If we do our job, our kids leave and get their own lives and we are no longer the forefront of their life and when you're the forefront of their life for all their young years right like we are their person we are their safety we are their home it's really a jarring thing when i know if i did my job well they are secure to leave me whether it's when they hit the fifth grade development jump or now like they more worry about friends or when they're a teenager right it's we did our job but it sucks yeah 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 but that, that thing you said about like, hey, I get up and I do the laundry, I do the dishes and I do the, da, 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 that kind of like it's all autopilot practicing mindfulness in those moments. Right. That shows that you are so present during that because like I know exactly my task and I feel like I feel good when I do these things and get them checked off my list. And so being you're very mindful, it sounds like when you're doing those things. Right. Yeah. I mean, you might be somewhere in your head, but practicing in those moments, the way you automatically just do it without thinking or right? getting into a routine with it you can add in little mindfulness habits in those and that will become just as routine. And then that generalizes. Right. right? So, yeah, no, it's, um, it's a lot. That's just, I think that's my, my phrase of the year has just been, Mm -hmm. it's a lot. It's a lot. But if you don't think this is grief, this is grief. That's grief is like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm not. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I always say that our story is not for us, it's for others. And so I think today's podcast, you know, we told a little bit of each of our stories and you gave some amazing insight. And I think that there are people who are going to listen to this and, you know, they're going to take solace and find some peace in knowing that, you know, they're on the same, you know, train. And so I appreciate that. I thank you so much for, um, for coming on and, and, uh, you, you're now, um, hired, uh, to be our in-house <laughs> therapist. Um, it doesn't pay well, uh, cause it's zero dollars, but, but you know what? I would, I'm happy. I would happy, happy to come on and chat with you guys anytime. I've really enjoyed this. And, you know, if, if you're lucky enough to work with things that you love and are passionate about, like this is fun. I bet you that sounds really weird. Listening to people's traumas is not fun, but it's like, it's something I feel like I have the ability to help people or help maybe move them in the direction that is supportive and helpful to them. And so absolutely. Anytime. 
I mean, yeah, you, blew, you blew my mind. I had never, I never knew that I was pre stress, like pre stressing about literally yeah. every single thing in my life. I didn't know that I was doing that. I just, yeah. that's just how I'm wired. Right. And I, right. you know, I, I never thought about it that way ever. It was just like a massive head explosion. When you said that, I was like, oh my God. Me too. Yeah. It was definitely an epiphany that that's what's going to stick with me the most yeah. out of all the amazing things that are going to stick with me from yeah. today. So thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you will be back. Uh, we will make sure that you come back along the journey. That was, you're just, you're really good at what you do. That was amazing. Well, thank you. Thank yeah, you. I'm, I'm a, I'm pretty picky when it comes to people. And uh, I like you. Mm. I think you're. Thanks. I think you're great. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. All right. Know. Well, lots of tears, lots of awkwardness. Didn't see that coming. I didn't see it coming. <laughs> but anytime Meredith cries, it makes me cry every every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not. I mean, I guess I'm. I feel like I also am not normally in this space. But it was just like it hit me June hard like a train and Mm -hmm. since then I just I've just had such a hard time and I think it's because I love control and I have zero Mm -hmm. control over this Mm -hmm. so what I want to do is gain some of that back because I am such a control freak um and I'd also like to stop crying in public because I do think people think that there's something wrong with me like Mm -hmm. we were out to eat the other night at just having pizza and I was red faced and crying and the woman's like, Oh my God, was your pizza? Okay. And I was like, just pre grieving, just pre grieving my entire uh, life. So great. Dude. I hope that helps you though. For real. Like to think about that when you yeah. feel yourself starting to get like that. I really right. hope that helps because that I, that's life changing. Yeah. I just never that- thought about it like that. Those of us that are really like anxious inside, like to control the outside. It's how we, feel safe right it makes a lot of sense absolutely yeah everybody's saying thank you for the wonderful guest this episode is fire this is amazing this is one of the best podcasts you've done thanks everyone for your wonderful comments that's all you laura yeah i don't think it's all me but it's a little bit different tone than maybe some of your more recent podcasts that is putting it nice. If you were coming here for a light, funny podcast, I don't know that you got it today. <laughs> no, yes, but I, t- right, I tried though. to warn everybody of that too, because I knew, I already knew the questions that I was going to be asking. And I figured, right. and I was right with what Tiffany was going to bring up. So, <laughs> oh, before we go, my husband is texting me and saying he would like to know. Um, he would like to know. Uh, what word should I use to redirect her when she gets swirly? Because I call it swirly when I can't mm-hmm. get control of my feelings. Right. So if you're identifying to him you're swirly, then he doesn't need to notice it to you. You already know you're there. Right? Yeah. What he needs to do is you guys need to create the language. And really, Meredith, you need to say, like, I this is what I need to hear from you. Right? Whether it's you're okay or we're okay or we're here right now. Or, you know, just a quiet hug, not talking even, um, because 
you know, if you are spiraling and you're not aware of it, then maybe having a word that he says to kind of bring you to the awareness of it would be important. And that would be a word you guys would self-identify, right? Pineapple. My little, no. my, 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 my cut with my kids when they're like being wild and I need attention is rooster. I just yell rooster and they stop and like look at me mm. for the most part, for the most part, the five-year-old more than the four-year-old. But, um, but yeah, if you already know you're swirly or, you know, or he could maybe just gently be like, Hey, I think you're a little swirly. You need a hug. What do you need? Right. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm. And then you being open to him trying to like support you there and not being like, I'm fine. Right. That's what I was just going to (laughs) say is her issue is going to be accepting whatever it is that Dave is going to be willing to give. Right. But it's always a dick. That's what he's willing to give. (laughs) So, and, and the thing is, is I might ask for a hug, but then the hug ends up being a different kind of hug. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He, no, he, he really, he does try, but I am very resistant. And I will say, cause I will be the first one to be like, I am swirly as fuck right now, but then I'll be the the next words out of my mouth or I'm fine. And I'm clearly not fine because that that's, yeah. Yeah. I I would say Meredith for you, um, thinking about being vulnerable and like what that means to you. And like, you know, again, it's, it sounds like you are a very strong person and you kind of are the leader. So the idea that like, I'm not the rock right now is really unsettling. Right. Cause that basically means I'm opening the cracks and showing that like, I am, I have flaws or I have weakness and that's really being vulnerable is hard. People sometimes will couch vulnerability as like being weak, right. Being emotional is being weak. It is the most strong thing you've ever done today, sitting here and bearing your soul to all these people, talking to a therapist on live webcam about what's mm. going on for you. Like that is like the strongest shit ever. So when I you're knew having we could get emotions, a curse. I knew it. I knew we could get a curse. I was trying so hard. My mom's gonna listen to this. Like, I don't want her like, what did I read? You know, oh my like, god. Don't let Nima listen. But oh my god. But yeah, you know, like give yourself some grace. You're it's strong to be emotional. It's not yeah, I don't, anything, but. I don't think I have an issue with the emotion part of it because that to me, like I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I think because I preach this all the time online and so does Tiffany to our, to our people is that it's great and it, to be vulnerable and to be emotional and to be in touch with that and do all of those things. But once I start feeling out of control, yeah. that's where I have that, that clenching panic um, because mm-hmm. I'm such a control freak. So I, I, I really appreciate that. I don't want we don't want to take up any more of your time. You've been so wonderful, yes. um, mm-hmm. to share this with us. And, uh, yeah, I have to say in the, however many years we've been doing this, um, this one was raw and mm. it was amazing. So also we haven't had a guest in years. I was just That's telling her before idea. it was, it was before the tour. It was, yeah. it was 20, it's been like years. 2020. Yeah. Yeah. For the dark um, days. Yeah. Do you was. have anything you want to plug? Any websites or anything? I don't have anything. <laughs> I am just me and my little office. <laughs> I was thinking about that. Like, I don't even have like an Instagram presence. There's so many therapists out there that have reels and do all that. And I don't have time for that. I've got two little guys. I am just trying to live my life, run my practice, keep my world happy. But, um, but yeah, I don't have anything to plug. Okay. So. But I do have to say, if you guys ever go on tour again, you need to come to Boston. I was like, I saw you guys were going on tour and I was like, <gasps> and then it was like, nope, nowhere near me. Cool. Oh, didn't okay. we go to Boston or not, do I, am I just maybe assuming Maybe I didn't that. see later. Um, I, I, don't, not end up in I never Boston. paid attention. We, we were in Boston. <laughs> we just yes. got on the plane and prayed. 
Really? Yeah, we did. We did. We Maybe did it was Boston. before I found the tour. That might have been it. It might have no. been. I'm yeah. not sure. Either way, we'll make sure we come to you and if keep you, ever you on swing staff. back around. Yes. For sure, though. Maybe. Yeah, next time, 100%. Maybe you could yeah. travel with us and just like be there <laughs> emotionally. I think my husband would have a stroke if I was like, so I'm going to go on tour. You're <laughs> going to have the boys and everything. <laughs> and um, my clients will just have to make do for a few weeks. Zoom, yeah. Zoom <laughs> appointments. Zoom appointments. Come right, on, get your priority right. straight. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so <laughs> much for joining us. Thank you. Um, Meredith for being open and raw and honest. Thank you to me for just being a supermodel all the time. Mm. Make sure to join us next week for another episode of Take It or Leave It, an advice-ish podcast hosted by two struggling moms who have no idea what what we're doing. We'll see you next week, guys. Love you. Bye. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com